Welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I am Larry Monkey, and I am here with the Mississippi Hippie, the Waffle House visitor in Mississippi, Mr. Justin Rogers at Run DFF. What's up, my man? What up, Larry? What's going on? It's like one of those weird afternoon podcasts. I'm, I'm not like three beers deep, so I don't even know how to feel about this right now. It's sunny outside, but at least I'm inside and not working outside like I was earlier because it's 97 degrees here. So yay for me right now. Whee. Uh, yeah, I'm alone in the house right now, too. I dropped my daughter off at my parents. Uh, my wife is at work, and I have the whole house to myself. So I can be as loud as I want. I don't know if, if that's okay with you. Probably not, right? We're not getting unplugged tonight or today. We won't be getting unplugged. My wife right. will not be running downstairs and unplugging the podcast in the middle of the podcast. That's not excellent that. news. Anyway, so why are we recording right now in the middle of the day? I think we have. Well, we have a little bit of a high profile, very in demand guest, don't we? We have somebody that uh, has been around for a while. She is one of the best in the business, but she also most recently referred to herself as a cold hearted reptilian monster. <laughs> um on her latest podcast so let's just go ahead and introduce a fantasy football analyst for yahoo fantasy liz loza at liz loza underscore ff welcome to the show liz we're so happy to have you thank you gentlemen well as i told you i will go on any podcast that has the words hot sauce in the title so oh, yeah. here i am well, we like also now, now, everybody, please don't come at me with all your hot sauce takes and like ask me to be in your like the podcast that you and your mom listen to <laughs> that happens to have like Cholula in the title. Or <laughs> so you have a lot of stuff going on. I did most recently listen to your latest pod. You also have some other things going on. Your latest is the Rest versus Rust series. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would be happy to. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to the pod. We are recording in the afternoon and not in the evening because the pod which is normally we record them around this time on Thursdays, was moved to Wednesday because of various scheduling conflicts. So thank you for being flexible. And also thank you for already listening to the show a day earlier than it is normally released. As for Rust versus Rust, it's a series I'm actually, I'm super proud of it. Honestly, it was something that I conceived of last year. And I'm sure as you guys are aware, it's not the easiest thing in the world to come up with a new kind of content in a space that is let's be honest at this point becoming saturated Absolutely. with content we're all aiming to do similar things with different packagings so we've recycled the same you know late round best ball picks and rookies on a breakout and slow starts to the season like we all know what kind of articles are being written because 2020 was just such a weird year and things were taken away and New things were added that never might have been anticipated before, like becoming a kindergarten teacher as well as working full time. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to challenge myself to like be more creative so that there could be some fulfillment outside of just living in this hamster wheel. And so I created this rest versus rust series with the help of a orthopedic surgeon. And I just kept thinking the reason I was inspired to do it was because COVID, I was like, well, these players are going to be in different shape. Like what kind of injuries are we? Is it going to be similar to the lockout? So I wanted to talk to 
an actual professional and not someone, and, you know, not to like denigrate anybody's work, but not a physical therapist. I wanted to talk to someone who like goes in and sees the ACL after it has been torn, doesn't just help to rehab it, right? That is throughout the entire process. And Dr. Alex Weber, who is not only a very highly respected orthopedic surgeon in his own right, but is also a team doctor for the University of Southern California, USC, became an acquaintance of mine. And so we started talking about ways we could collaborate. Last season, the series did incredibly well. There were a lot, it's like spawned off other people have, have started writing about this sort of injury prone stuff in not just a medical way, but from a fantasy perspective. And the next installment premiered last Thursday with Dak Prescott. And it's a deep dive on him, on his his fracture, really his bone fracture, his ankle injury, um, his medical injury history. And then today, Thursday, a very deep dive, a 1500 word deep dive, in fact. Um, That's deep. Saquon, yeah, well, when you're drafting <laughs> Saquon Barkley fifth overall, Early, I think yeah. you want to know what you're getting, right? And that was my... Like, here's a guy who's had a lot of lower body injuries, but he's still going fifth overall. And everybody just, because of Adrian Peterson, thinks they all just come back from an ACL. It ain't a thing anymore. Even, you know, moms in their 30s who tear their ACL pretending they're 16 again on the ski slopes think they can bounce back like mm -hmm. Adrian Peterson. And <laughs> there's a difference between return to sport and return to prior level of performance. And when you are drafting, again, a player fifth overall, not just at the position, you're expecting an RTPP, not just making it back to the field. And you're expecting those efficiency numbers to spike, and you're expecting 2018 numbers. So I talked to the doctor about how realistic it was for Saquon to return to that level, and if in order to return to that level, he would receive the same workload, at least at the onset of the season which would obviously affect how you were going to draft him or how you were going to strategize utilizing him from a fantasy perspective. So that premiered today. I'd love it if everyone could take a look at it. You can either go follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF, or you can go to Yahoo Fantasy or Yahoo Sports. It is available there. And next week uh, we're doing, I'm interviewing the doctor later today, and we are talking about Kenny Galladay. He's up next. Ooh, okay. that would be interesting. Kenny Galladay. So where do we start? There's a loose agenda here in front of me, Justin, that has just line after line. Lot. line. It's, it's a lot. lot. Cuz you got to go to work, right? I do have to go to work this evening. I got I sling drinks part-time, Liz. And Ooh. so normally I would be having a beer instead I'm looking forward to selling beer. So, yeah. Well, what no, kind of cocktails though? Because I oh, no, I work at I Buffalo don't... Wild Wings. I work at a Girl, really that's my favorite spot. I'm just saying I've been there for 13 years. So Oh my gosh. Well, I can talk to you about the sauces. I have a <laughs> we have no relationship with Buffalo Wild Wings from a corporate standpoint. I <laughs> my husband is regularly like, where do you want to go to dinner? And I was like, can we just get wings from not from anywhere fancy? I literally <laughs> want them from Buffalo Wild Wings. I can mess with the samplers. I love me. The um, Blazin is my favorite. Really? The Blazin Wings is my absolute wow. favorite. Yeah, I did a challenge with Rob Gronkowski where I ate more of the... It might have been when you guys were having the ghost pepper one, actually. Oh, we had Because uh, I think there was a promotion for a minute. Rob Gronkowski could not eat more than six, and I slammed eight. Oh, my god! And gosh. it was a little, like, a competition thing we did with him on Facebook, Facebook Live, when that was a thing. Anyway. 
Continue what? onto your loose agenda, which I've now completely derailed. And no way. You got to put toilet paper in the freezer when you're doing those Reapers, I think, you know? <laughs> I like hot sauce. I told you. Everyone knows about this guy that lost his fantasy yeah. league and had to do the Waffle House challenge. Any waffle would take off an hour. Of his Liz, yeah. Justin lives in Mississippi. He went to that Waffle House and met the guy. Oh, yeah? I did. Uh, I got up I mean, the other night. I was I was bartending and it's on my way home. I, I had looked at the picture and in the back there was a bank and I was like, I know that Waffle House. I'm gonna stop <laughs> in and play so I did. I, it was like literally an extra two minutes out of my way to swing in and be like, hey. And you know what he was doing? He was headed out to his car, and I was like, this is not right. <laughs> doing who gets an hour to go sit in their car during a waffle house challenge so, so, so you went and like, you went in real time this wasn't like the other day this was like while it was happening you went to go oh yeah it was like 12 30 so i hung out for about 15 minutes or so chit chatted another guy popped in so he had, had like eight or nine people random people off twitter pop in which i didn't know there were eight or nine people follow, following fancy football in uh mississippi, mississippi. at all so. Right. On Twitter, too. On Twitter, yeah. I took a picture with him and the other guy. I didn't take a picture of me and the guy. The, yeah. the other guy that showed up was like, can you take our picture? And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to bother this dude with a bunch of pictures. But yeah, here you go. Click. He uh, actually is not from Mississippi. He moved here. He was living in North Carolina. So his commissioner up in North Carolina, it was actually the the victim's idea to oh. institute the policy. And then his commissioner in North Carolina was like, okay, you need to, you know, so that's what happened. All right. Some well, he's a new, a new resident and welcome to Jackson. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Poor guy was struggling. Yeah. It was a it was a mental grind for him. We did a, a like a tight 10 of this. I don't know if it was tight. We did 10 on the about this on the pod with Andy. I would just take the 24 hours and be like, I'm sleeping at the Waffle House for 24 hours. I'm not gonna try to like jam eight waffles <laughs> down me so I can like Liz, what are you gonna do with those other I have two small children. Are you kidding me? I would bring a pillow, a, <laughs> a three charger. How many waffle houses have you been to sober? That's the question. I, well, no, I've been to, so I dated a boy from Georgia for a while. So we would, and we were broke because uh, we were children, teenagers. Sure, yeah. So I spent some time in a Georgia waffle house. I believe you could still smoke in it. Probably. I think. I mean, probably or people were just smoking. You, you in probably it. Yeah. could still smoke in the one in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the waitresses probably were smoking with you. Like, I just remember being like, oh, I'm a Yankee. Like, I don't, this is a little bit much, but I, you know, was head over heels with this boy. Georgia, and eventually Georgia. ended up going to Georgia Tech. We yeah, went to cool a Waffle thing. House. And I prefer an IHOP. If I'm being honest, I like the <laughs> options at the like more syrups. Like, oh wow, a boysenberry syrup. It tastes nothing but boysenberry, <laughs> but shit, this is purple. Let's put that on some pancakes. All right. I think so, his anyways. mistake was trying to use syrup. That was his mistake, was using syrup mm. on the waffle. A little bit of butter, hammer it dry. Don't get all don't get the gut rot. That was his problem. I did cheat a little bit. I listened to the get real pod with Casey Kasem. Where she just oh, okay. she just did a deep dive with with Liz Loza and it was a just took you through your entire life of how you got into fantasy football and just and it was really really entertaining and I was just I turned it off actually after fifteen minutes because I was like I don't want to know this I'm I'm having her on I want to like learn uh, about her I want to learn about her on the pod and then I was like ah and I, I listened to no, it again so we won't get into that. your life story but if you want to know all about Liz it's a great great pod Casey's a friend of the show she's been on the show a few times on the hot sauce pod so yeah go listen to the get real pod with Casey the Liz Loza episode it's really really good one that being said for our audience. When did you first hear about or even get into fantasy football? And more importantly, can yeah, you take us through how you got into fantasy football? And what I really want to know is, and this is always fun for me to ask people, who got you that title? Who was the one that, that right. 
that won it for you? Well, I mean, the short story was I had an affection, an affinity, I would say, for sports. I knew sports growing up. I was, my grandfather was, taught me everything about sports. So it wasn't, there wasn't like some weird learning curve. It was very natural for me to become interested in fantasy sports since I was already an NFL fan. I was already a Bears fan. Well, was dating a different boy, that that boy from Georgia. He actually lives in Mississippi now, the boy from Georgia. But um, he and I were no more. It didn't go well. So I was uh, dating some new guy and this guy was um, very embarrassed one day. Like it it was very fresh in our dating. He was still trying to like impress me and I was still trying to impress him. And one day he very, and I didn't want to say like, oh God, can we like, we started dating in like the spring. And so this was, uh, I think like, I don't know, like five months into dating. So it's like serious, but you're still, well, I think you're really on good behavior until like, two, two and a half years anyway. But like around month five, right? It's fall now and football season. I really wanted to like go to a bar and watch the games. But even I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, like, how do I like ask this guy to do that for our date? You know, what if he wants to like go to the beach or do something romantic? So I was like trying to think of a way to kind of say, can we hang out at a sports bar all day? There's this one I was wanting to try. And before I could do it, he said very bashfully, it was very cute. He said like, so I have this thing called the red zone package and it and i did not have that because i was a struggling actress making no money like negative money and um i definitely didn't have the red zone like i i still i think i had a tv from costco that i like put antennas on and like uh tinfoil yeah <laughs> i got one channel it was nbc <laughs> so so i could watch er anyway i said to him what do you mean like he was like so can we just watch the red zone channel we just kind of watch football day and if you don't want to do it, it's totally fine. It's just kind of a thing I do because I'm in this fantasy football league. And I was like, you had me at Red Zone Channel. Yes. Are we getting like Chinese wings, pizza? What are we ordering? And I had never seen anything like the Red Zone Channel. And then I was like, well, why are we watching games like this? Like, why aren't we? Why does this exist, really? That was my next thought was like, I love this. But also like this must be for a purpose. Companies don't just come out with things to not have it serve another thing. That's not how like corporatism works. And he was like, well, actually it's great for watching your fantasy teams. And then he explained to me what fantasy was. And I was like, oh my God, this is genius. You got two screens going. You're watching every touchdown. You're you what? And he played on Yahoo. You're watching the like numbers calculate. This is holy shit. This is the best thing technology has ever done. Screw the moon landing. This is even better. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, because I, I mean, I'm not Jeff Bezos. I ain't getting my ass to the moon. So this, this is fantastic. He told me about it, and then he like saw that I was interested, like genuinely interested. And he started asking me questions, and ended up asking me questions. And I was giving him some advice, and we ended up co-managing that team to a Super Bowl victory the next year which is what I think you were alluding to, Larry. There was an opening in the league and I asked for it because I didn't want to share. I wanted my own. And I ended up getting that spot and winning the league again on my own. And then I won it one more time the year after that. But three consecutive wins. On that squad, I remember this was like 2007, 2008. So I remember a lot of MJD, who was one of my favorite players always, some Joseph Adai. I remember some Marquise Colston, which I really enjoyed because he was still like an underdog. I do remember someone in the league who had been in it, who was older than me, telling a story though about, this was before they had in that particular league um, rules about waivers. They were open waivers. You could just like, 
collect whenever you oh, wanted yeah. to collect. And yeah. like during the game, someone was like, "This rookie from the, yeah, this rookie's like popping out," and he like scooped him off the um. Yeah. And that was two thousand and two thousand six or two yeah two thousand six, and they like scooped him or yeah. maybe two thousand seven, scooped him off the um waiver wire and crushed for the rest of the season. But yeah, I I also remember like a really awesome Roy Williams, like when he was on the Lions, I think yeah. at the time. But it was fascinating to me because as a Bears fan, I knew about the baggage that perhaps you could say he came with. He ended up being on one of those one of those winning squads, I think, too. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember those those open waivers. That was before they had the the waiver period, and I can remember I would watch football with my two buddies. We'd be like, "Where'd Eddie go? Oh, he, he ran upstairs when his when our backs were turned and picked up this guy that was yeah. going off." You know. For the, <laughs> you mentioned acting. Olden, do you still do any acting? And outside of that, is there a role out there that you would consider leaving the fantasy industry for? Ooh. I do. I mean, like I've done some stage work if a friend, because I live in Los Angeles and I have lots of friends that work in the entertainment space and um, have asked me like, hey, I'm doing a staged reading of something. Can you sub in as a character? I, you know, wrote them with you in mind or I think you'd be, you know, can you hook me up basically so I can hear it out loud? Sure. So I've done that a couple of times. I do still work in voiceover from time to time. When I was beginning my career in fantasy, before I was full time at Yahoo, I kind of... I, moved into um, voiceover because it was a little more flexible and allowed me to work at home. And because I have these, at the time, just one little kid, um, I was able to kind of supplement my fantasy income with some very nice voiceover jobs. So I do still do voiceover. I love voiceover. It's a fantastic space and it is growing and growing with, especially post COVID when so much production got shut down in the city and throughout the country. Mm -hmm. um, animation still continued to thrive because people could do it and send files in their right. own homes. And so a lot of animated series were greenlit. And I have a lot of people that I care very deeply for and respect a lot who are thriving in that space. So I've done plenty of voiceover. As for like leaving, it's so funny you asked that because I got a DM from a, a fan or follower or whatever on Instagram just yesterday saying that he was watching the new Loki series and that I was a doppelganger for Lady Loki and he kept like imagining me as Lady Loki. And I was just like, I'm not, I guess I have to see the show. Um, I don't know if it's bad or good. I don't know if it's bad or good. I don't know if I didn't look her up. Um, so. You're like, is this an insult or is he really a fan? Is this a troll like, or a fan? Yeah. It's true. I was like, as I was telling the story, I was like, oh God, what if she's uh, like hideous? Um, but... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I guess you'll tell me. Um, you know, odds are Hollywood and TV don't like to cast hideous people for the most part. So it's probably a compliment. Okay. I haven't seen okay, that. I hope so. I mean, you know, we'll I, just go with that. I guess though, like I, I think now, like I watched Hacks on HBO, which I very much recommend. I was sad when it was over. And Gene Smart is a tour de force of talent. And I'm actually speaking, she's also in Mayor of Easttown, which I'm watching now. And both she and Kate Winslet are nothing but brilliant. So at this point, like I can sit back and be like, wow, I know what they are doing is so hard because they are doing it at the absolute ceiling of its ability. Their craft is so honed and specific and unbelievable. And I can like sit back and be a fan and also be like, I, I don't, I don't want to play that role because. Kate Winslet should be playing that role to elevate it to its absolute highest potential. But I will say, relating back to the MCU a little bit, if somebody was like, hey, Skojo is out as Black Widow, uh -oh. <laughs> I would 
definitely goodbye <laughs> sleepers articles goodbye <laughs> fat budget articles Bye-bye. like i would set down the rankings and the rosé because i'd need to and i would put on some black lycra or whatever that that suit is made out of some latex and a red wig and be all about it <laughs> all right rest versus rust it was nice knowing you <laughs> <laughs> i come from a diversity background and former hr guy i'm a stay-at-home dad now my mind is always looking at things from a diversity standpoint women and minorities in particular, uh, when where I came from, it was women and minorities in the workplace. And I did a lot of data and analytics geared towards that. Now that I am a part of the fantasy Twitter, dynasty Twitter, whatever you want to call it, it's obviously it's saturated with men. And as far as the fantasy landscape goes now compared to when you got started, I mean, do you have any mentors or, or anyone female that you could bounce things off of or that were women? Yes. No, no, it didn't exist. Like the mentors that I had, I mean, Andy Behrens has always been incredibly kind and generous to me. He's from Chicago and that is where I grew up. And so when I'd go home to visit family, like I will say it's about Andy, I would reach out and be like, hey, I'm home for like these three days. Are you available to grab a beer? There's nothing that I can do for Andy Behrens. He knows that. You know, but like we had developed a genuine rapport and friendship, I think, on Twitter and respected one another that he never didn't say yes. In fact, he like picked me up one time. He has a Jeep Wrangler, which I thought was awesome. Um, He like picked me up one time and like drove me in the snow, picked me up at like the train station. I was coming in from my mom's house. He was always generous. And we never, by the way, just talked about work. We always talked about like families and his wife or Chicago sports, maybe a little bit, but it was never, I was never trying to like network with him. Brad Evans was incredibly helpful to me in getting here and he would answer questions for me. It was incredibly helpful, particularly in my first year at Yahoo. Dr. Roto, Mark Bloom was also very, very instrumental in me finding a platform, but no, there was not a single woman Mm-hmm. who was available for me in the space to discuss things with. I will say the only person that came closest that was a woman, but I was already at Yahoo at this point. That's kind of a, a leap to get there without somebody like that. But my first year at Yahoo, I'm in LA, like I said, and the main show, Fantasy Football Live, was shot out of a studio in Sunnyvale, which is in Northern California. So I would shoot my portion outside of an independent studio, which is also where Amy Trask would shoot... And that's not uncommon in Los Angeles. Those exist all over the place because of the industry that drives the economy here. But Amy Trask was shooting her segments for CBS, the pregame CBS stuff, out of the same studio, but in a different you know, room in it. Um, out of the same complex, but a different studio. And we shared a makeup artist. And one day I w- was so shy and you know, didn't want to look her in the eye and was like, oh my God, I d- was not at all confident or like I had no idea what to say to her I had no idea how to be around her and she one day caught there early as I was finishing up in the makeup chair and she was just like hi Liz I'm Amy Trask and I was like oh my god the princess of darkness like ah (laughs) and I was like hi I had no idea she knew my name and she was like I really admire your work like you really know your stuff it's so refreshing to see a young woman just you know, out there confidently speaking, I don't play fantasy, but I can totally tell that you know the game better than most analysts that I have talked to more, you know, on par with a lot of coaches I've seen. She just like, it was like platitude after platitude. And I was basically, wow. I, you know, almost had a seizure in the makeup chair, which would have really pissed off the makeup artist, but <laughs> my mascara would have gotten everywhere. Oh. And after that, um, she uh, and I would see each other every Sunday. I obviously warmed up. I asked her questions and 
since then, she has been an incredible mentor for me. Uh, I remember one time she invited me out for like wine, like a like a happy hour, but it's Amy Trask. So you don't go to like a bar. You go to like somewhere fancy for wine and cheese, you know, nibbles. She was like, so how can I help you? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I just want, I, we're just friends. Right. And she was like, Liz, Liz. that's not how it works. <laughs> right? Like, I, I want to help you. And I was like, I don't think I need anything. I'm okay. Like, can we just be friends? <laughs> I'm so used to not having anyone help me, honestly, that like, I was like, I don't even know what dad's for. She's been, I've been over at her home. She was the first person to know I was pregnant with my second child. She's probably the closest thing. But the short so, answer is no. So with all that being said, and what Larry alluded to earlier with uh, women up and coming in the fantasy industry, have you had the chance to mentor? Have, have women reached out to you with looking for advice or anything? Or, or are they all kind of pull up the bootstraps like you were? Um, well, I think the community is larger and they work together much more. I think that I try to be helpful in as many places as I, as I can. Um, and I always, if someone asks for help, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. I think that, you know, there are a lot of women who have been around, but just don't get as much credit. I'm going to say that Jennifer Eakins is one of my favorite analysts straight up in the space. She works for four for four. She's at the Monday mommy. Monday mommy. She has been around longer than I have. And she's an incredible resource. She's a fantastic writer. I will also say that Melissa Jacobs at the football mm -hmm. girl. Now she doesn't do primarily fantasy. She works with Pat Fitzmaurice to do the fantasy. And it's not like he's not a fantastic ranker, right? He's in fantasy pros, most accurate analyst consistently. But um, Melissa Jacobs started a platform called the football girl. And she is an incredible resource of, of knowledge and Intel. So I think those are two women who were around, they were around before I was. And, mm -hmm. you know, they just for whatever reason, uh, not because of the quality of their work, maybe it was because of the lack of mentees uh, in their immediate area or where they lived didn't have like a, a Yahoo studio or a studio right. at all. But I think that the community now is bigger and diverse, right? What I am interested to watch as it continues to grow, the fantasy space in general is giant now. There are yes. a million podcasts, there are a million articles, there's a million hashtags. I can't barely keep up with all of the, the growth within the industry, but also within that, there are now just not like two or four women, two to four to five women. These women also all have like different voices. And that's the first time we're experiencing that. Like, I don't love everybody's work, anybody, right? Like, and am I obligated to like all of these women's work just because they're women? I don't know the answer to that. Like, maybe, maybe that's a debate. But like, it is interesting now to have options, I guess you could say. I posted on Twitter, just out of curiosity, looking for input on the, the Mount Rushmore of female fantasy analysts. And I know that's kind of like a one of those games that everyone's been playing the last you know X amount of, hey, what's the Mount Rushmore of this? What's the Mount Rushmore of that? And I don't know, I just got the idea in my head. And I was like, let me hear everyone's opinion on, on female fantasy analysts. And your name came up a lot, in addition to Stefania Bell. I mean, does that surprise you at all? And how do you feel when someone gives you that Mount Rushmore title as from where you started to where you are now? I would argue that I'd be surprised if I wasn't on the Mount Rushmore fantasy analyst period. I have hustled my entire existence. I work at one of the biggest platforms in the space. I'm consistently nominated and win awards yeah. and I continue to work as hard yeah. as I did. Like that's the other thing, like I didn't stop I think that's some, maybe a misconception. Like you, you like all of a sudden get to a place that some people consider a goal or a, you know a, a higher level. 
Yeah. And you all of a sudden get, no, they don't get you up there to tell you to work less. There's no working less than you did before. There's only working more, you know, right. like I, I work more now than I did for myself and there's a lot more pressure and there's a lot more, I got paid though, you know, like that's, that's, that's <laughs> the exchange. That's kind of the key right. cover there. Like, right. Like, are, but at least I'm getting something for all this. Yeah. Right. That's the exchange though. But I don't work as hard as I do and I don't have as much confidence in my work and I don't study as much and I don't like put as much of myself into everything to not be on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy analyst period. And I know that that's uneasy for some people to hear a woman say, which is another obstacle, right? But like, yeah. I will tell you straight up that Brad Evans, who's a very dear friend of mine, would never say like, no, of course I deserve to be on there. And nobody would blink. They would be like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Matthew Berry, who I'm also friends with, would never not expect to right. be on the Mount Rushmore. So why, why should I not expect to be on the Mount Rushmore as well? Cool. For someone who's who's been grinding as long as you have, it's not it's not unreasonable at all. I mean, when Larry says the Mount Rushmore female analysts, I don't know that it was meant to say, you know, separate man, male and female, but more like we have a couple big names like you and Stefania, mm -hmm. but then we're still looking to fill that Mount Rushmore. You know, there's still so many up and coming analysts, but it's hard to like pinpoint, okay, we can come up with three, maybe four. But then there's a lot that you're thinking, okay, who's gonna step up next? and really become the next TV personality or the next super well-known. Because in the Twitter community, we have tons of female analysts around that are putting out great content, but it doesn't hit the mainstream as quickly for some. Yeah, it feels like what has always been a very male, heav heavily dominated space, not just in fantasy, but in sports in general, is making that shift where we're having more and it's not just and i don't want to demean sideline reporters but they're getting more prominent roles in the booth or on in studio etc where before it was sort of relegated where okay well we'll stick the chicks on the sideline and now we're getting very well known and very knowledgeable females in the booth or in, in a broadcast studio able to debate with the men and not be demeaned and not be looked down upon which is nice i think that's Accurate. And I will go so far as to say that I think fantasy helped push that forward. I have been asked a million times and I've tested at bigger places. Hey, we're looking for a host. And I have said, I am not a host. I don't, I don't want to be a host. Like no, no disrespect for the people who want to be the host, but I am not interested in being the conduit of information. I am interested in analyzing the information. Yeah. I am interested in being considered an expert and not just a waiter who serves it up to the expert to then pick apart. And I think that's what you're seeing when you see the sideline reporter, they are off to the side, right? Mm -hmm. They are not intricately placed <laughs> as part of the legitimate conversation, right? They're adjacent to it um they don't get to and have I the think, same conversations like they don't get to do the same debate etc which is no and they also for i'm gonna say largely don't have the knowledge base to do it because not because they have but because like being a host requires a different set of skills and they've sure. been working on honing those skills and honing those connections and not the other stuff and so it is this like automatic gateway to the side like it, that it is very hard to get one of those jobs and to become good at it you know yeah. so you're putting all of your energy over here and then meanwhile i i don't want to use the wrong attitude adjective and get in trouble but like the debate conversation the expert conversation is over here 
in a different place being had. Um, and I think in fantasy, what the gift that it has given me is that it has required me to be an analyst. It has required me to talk about air yards and <laughs> yards after the catch and all of these things, right, that are part of the lexicon of experts. And Marty Bennett actually said to me, I did a show with Martellus Bennett and he said, because he didn't like fantasy. Yeah, as a player, like he didn't, he didn't like it. And he was like, Liz, why do you do fantasy? You know, you could be up, you know, you could be up on NFL Network, like talking ball. You talk ball with me every day. You and Clinton Portis, I'm not name dropping, but you and Clinton, I just heard you talking about <laughs> Naeem Hines, like you were a scout. Like, why are you doing fantasy? And I was like, bro, this is 2018. Bro, mm -hmm. they don't let me talk that way. Fantasy is the only genre within the sports world that allows me to be an analyst, that allows me to be an expert. I cannot, in fact, go on the networks you're talking about and be an expert because I never played the game, which is the first thing they talk about. Yeah. And also, there's no precedent for it. And the people hiring don't look like me. Mm. So fantasy was the only place that I could do that. So I think now that if you can't see it, you can't be it. So now that there are more women existing, it becomes another option that maybe never was dawned on someone before to pursue. The Olympics are right around mm. the corner. What's going on with you in the Olympics? That's that's oh, still happening? Yeah. Well, the Olympics are still happening. I was supposed to go to Tokyo in 2020 for three weeks and be on the ground. Obviously, that didn't happen for anybody. And then I was supposed to go on 20, in 2021. I have made the personal decision because, because of vaccination rates and because my kids can't get vaccinated and because the population of Tokyo with like just the Japanese citizenry won't be fully vaccinated. The seniors, the senior citizens alone aren't expected to be fully vaccinated until the end of July. And not only what that does for me personally and my beliefs um, and in attempting to keep my, my children as safe as possible, but yeah. also in school is the access to different parts of Tokyo and Japan is just not. The athlete access, all of it has been very restricted. And so I will be covering the Olympics working 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Nice. Um, for three weeks from my home studio. And I've already, we've got plenty of interviews set up. They will be Zoom interviews like we've been seeing, but I will continue to cover the entire the entirety of the Summer Olympics with um, for Yahoo Sports just doing it remotely, but in real time, so that all of the reactions and interviews are spontaneous and as authentic as possible, just working a night shift, which is, I actually, I think it's gonna be kind of fun. I'm kind of excited to work a night shift. Yeah. As yeah. someone who doesn't like to take days off to watch TV, I cannot wait for it not to be on in the middle of the day. Cause I'm a yeah. huge Olympics. I, I, I'll watch every track and field event out there. Well, he's, he's run DFF. He's at yeah. run DFF. So he's a, he's a marathon. Like the trials are on and I'm like, oh, wow. I get to the bar, you know, I'll get to work tonight. And the first thing I'll do is go change the TV. So I have it like right in front of me when I'm making drinks, so I can catch races. Like, nice. Nice. You know? So yeah. the Olympics are like the Mecca for me as far as that goes. So nice. Is there anything you're looking forward to the most in, as far as covering the Olympics? I, I mean, you can't, not be excited about Simone Biles, like wearing a, you know, a goat leotard and just creating new things that didn't even exist, new tricks that didn't outlaw, even exist you know. before. <laughs> yeah, right. And the women's, I, I got real hyped to see that the women's soccer team is all reuniting. It's the same crew. They're going back to Tokyo. And that like just gave me chills. Like the idea of, I remember yeah. watching the women's world cup at a bar in Maryland <laughs> in the middle of the day. And just like, here's the thing I love about the Olympics and what I loved about the world cup in those like global events 
is that everybody in this sports bar, it was not a fancy sports bar. It was like the drunk turtle or the green turtle or something. It's an East Coast beach bar. Everybody in there, and they were all, it's the middle of the day. Everybody's rooting for the same team. There's no fighting. They're all rooting for the women's soccer team. Everybody's like pounding it, like, especially on the heels of what has been a very decisive time in our country, it will be so nice to have this coming together. I'm optimistic about it. Yeah. <laughs> we can have this like, um, just fair. coming together and rooting for something that is like a, a commonality between us. That would be great. All right, man. Should we talk about fantasy football perhaps? Sure. Mm-hmm. We've spent an All hour right. in the <laughs> Are you primarily a redraft player? Dynasty, DFS, Debbie? Like what's your wheelhouse? What's your favorite? Let me say Yahoo does not have a dynasty product. So right. most of the time, because again, <laughs> there's a lot to do. Um, mm. So I have to focus most of my energy on redraft because that's what the company provides. So that makes yeah, sense, right? right. I, I am on a couple of dynasty teams. I do enjoy it, but it is not, you know, it is not my like foremost expertise. Redraft is because that's most of the assignments, all of the assignments I receive receive are in redraft. So it's where my focus is. That being said, love a 14 team super flex. That is my favorite setting. Oh, we said we weren't going to talk about our listening league, but we are in the 20th round of a 14-team Superflex startup ah. draft. I know. We have our listener league, the Dynasty it, League, and I'm like, I, I don't want to bore Liz with our let's wait to analyze draft next week, and we were like, yeah, it's probably for the best, and now I'm like, right. dang it, I should have sent her the link. She- That's the ideal number for us as well. 16 is just like miserable, <laughs> and 12. That's how weird I met. In a 16-teamer? We yeah. met through a 16-team yeah. league, yeah. The Dynasty Trades Eat Their Listener League, the Trades HQ pod. Anyway, we're at the point in our great podcast where we have our own listener league and we we've it's a 14 team team super flex tight end premium. I don't know you're a fan of the tight end premium. What's your bonus? Where are where are you at on bonuses? I mean, I know that the answer is supposed to be the answer is supposed to be, oh, they're great, but also (laughs) I didn't like that. I say this to Scott Fish all the time. I was like, why, why? Like, can we just I don't know. I like I get it, I understand it. I feel like it's annoying because it's like you another here, thing. Guys. But also, Liz hates tight ends. Very nice. No, I I specialize in tight ends. <laughs> I know. But I, know. I also just like I feel like it just um, and maybe that's why because it's too hard for me to divorce the work that I'm doing because then people will be like, hey. I, you wrote this article. I haven't bothered to read it because I am looking for a tight end to fit like this obscure scoring system. Can you help me? And I'm like, no, man. You ju- you chose to be in this obscure scoring system. I'm sorry. Um. So I mean, it is charity league season, and there's a ton of. I mean, leading up to the Scott Fishbowl, there's you know obviously the Eliminators, which is where I mean I'm I we joined the, the Lizlo as a Eliminator, and that's probably something else I believe should have included in our uh, loose agenda. Yeah, it is charity league season, and everyone has their redraft leagues that are going on and I get into a bunch of them and they're awesome and I'm a late 90s fantasy football guy and I've been Yahoo since then I am down to one Yahoo league that I play in I'm in a number of different dynasty leagues now but as far as redraft goes everything's kind of moving towards sleeper what are your thoughts when it comes to other platforms do you have any imp- like hey Yahoo let's step it up a little bit we, we got some competition here I mean do you have any say in any of that or they're just like hey stick to the analytics all right how does that work we are invited to the product meeting with the engineers weekly and we've developed things together. I have the sleeper app. I don't play on it. I play on Yahoo. Most of the people I talk to play on Yahoo. I play a little bit on my fantasy league. Obviously my dynasty league. Oh God, it's on flea flicker. It's the worst. That's still, that's still, I know. Yeah. 
Um, but enough of that. It's like yeah. my dusty ass dynasty league is on that thing. <laughs> I started on Yahoo. It kind of everything has been there. I have, like I said, I, there are things about Sleeper I like. Yahoo Fantasy has alerts now. I'm not being biased. I know that people would love to hear me like talk trash. But the truth is, I know the engineers. They're some of the brightest engineers and most fervent, not just football, but fantasy sports fans, like fantasy gaming fans. They're all incredibly bright and, and intelligent, and they're all open to receiving feedback so like there's nothing on the yahoo app that i don't think is better than the competitions honestly but i mean clearly people are moving there i don't know why i have played on a bunch of platforms and i can tell you there are a couple platforms that it feels like the the people who design it don't actually play fancy football it is interesting to hear you say that the engineers play and that they're invested in it not just from a developmental stand- standpoint, but from a usage, you know, customer standpoint. I hope I'm allowed to say this. It's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, but there's an engineers versus editorial league that we play in. We're like the top engineers who design the game play against the experts, the on-air nice. experts. So it's very much a part of the culture. I love how you did air quotes when you said experts. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'd be afraid of? I'd be afraid that they're like checking your... Uh, your waiver queue and all. <laughs> they're, like back, they're, they're, they're back door and they're like, hmm. Who'd Liz put in for this week? I, I need yeah. to make a move. <laughs> they might be. They might be. It's deep too. And those guys are competitive. They they haven't won every year, but they've won a couple of times. I'll just say I played on Yahoo and then my league moved to NFL.com and I quit two years later. Crazy. So Not as bad as Flea Flicker, but... <laughs> So what is your uh, your draft strategy? Are you a late round QB? Are you a running backs girl? Are you a wide receiver girl? Early tight end? I'm going to give you a little bit of a cop out, which is it depends where in the queue I'm drafting, right? Like if I'm drafting in the top, or I'm going to pick a running back. That's not a cop that's out. That's, that's a strategy. That's- sure. But I would say that if anything, Andy Barons and I had a talk about this because he in Superflex especially has created, and he's going to go, I don't want to steal his thunder because this is very much his own creation, which happened out of a maybe a happy accident, but I do think bears interesting information. Zero QB in Superflex. Like he took Brian Fitzpatrick and Sam Darnold kind of on accident, but what he, the point that, that he was... I the pod and that yeah. was terrible. Uh, just we both listened to that too. I was shaking my head too. I, I actually, yeah. I hated when he was like, he liked Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold and that really... really <laughs> I didn't. Way. Well, do you saw me. I was like, I don't agree with that. Right? <laughs> I know. Like, I don't. But he makes the point that like you can't just chase positions. I think if you stick to a strategy too hard, you end up chasing positions even if you're not not meaning to so like if he's picking 10th overall and all the like premier quarterbacks are gone is he going to take a crappy quarterback or is he going to take a stud running back and that kind of happened in our eliminator too like I was like okay all of the the top five elite quarterbacks with the upside and the mobility are gone but Zeke is sitting here so I'm gonna take Zeke at like the seventh spot instead of I don't remember like I could have taken Tom Brady I think or Zeke and I I went with Zeke but I think if you're asking for overall strategy I am because of there's so much talent in that glut of wide receiver threes Mm, in that 30 you know that like I guess like I would say like wide receiver 25 to 55 any of those guys could hit it's really fascinating so I am waiting on receiver talent and probably prioritizing. I think I might prioritize a quarterback sooner than I would have historically because the top is so top heavy and there's just such a tier break between the first, second, and third tiers at that position. And I want to scoop up as much running back as always dries up quickly and so does tight end. So like if I could go 
I mean, shoot, if I could get a premier running back and then one of the top three tight ends and then a quarterback in the third and then start maybe one more running back and then start hitting wide receiver. I haven't done that yet, but I think it'd be fun. How many leagues do you generally get in oh. every year? Maybe I should say how how long does it take you to set your lineups on uh, Sunday morning? That, that'll <laughs> give us a better idea. <laughs> well, I can't, which is part of the problem because Fantasy Football Live kicks off 90 minutes before kickoff and it is a live show. And you're and, three hours behind, so your your football day starts at nine in the morning, right? Doesn't when does kickoff at ten? It's six a.m., friend. Uh, like we have to be in the chair, camera ready, sound checking. Since I have uh, grown in the space professionally, I have had to beg out of a bunch of leagues. At one point, I was in like twelve, and I was like, "This is I hate it. Like I actually hate setting these every week. It's not fun. <laughs> I can't pay any attention to them. I'm losing because I didn't even realize I didn't get a chance. I realized that Emmanuel Sanders blew out his freaking Achilles or whatever, but like I didn't have time because as that report is becoming live or whatever report injury status is happening, and I am on oh. air seeing it. I can't look down and be like, the production just hold a second. Those last scratches must kill you. They must drive you nuts. They absolutely crush me. So I have tried to pare it down to under seven. (laughs) Okay. Wow. That's got to be some willpower, huh? I mean, there's a lot of like listener leagues and a lot of like people on Instagram being like, yo, I got to play against you. And I was like, what do I get out of it? (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, what's your take on kickers and defense in fantasy? Do they belong in, in standard fantasy football leagues? I don't really like kickers. I will say I mentioned Jennifer Eakins ahead of time at the Monday Mommy on Twitter. She writes really brilliant articles about kicker strategy. They also are those things like to me, you know how you're supposed to like organize your closets or like wash your walls? Like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna do that. And then I never end up doing it because I just don't care. Like, I'm just like, I don't have the, I'm not going to carve out space to like think about this, but I should, because that is how you win or lose. But instead I will be like Brad Evans and I will complain and want them to just wipe it off so that I don't have to do this extra work. If you do the extra work though, it's like an extra 10 points every week. I totally buy it, but I'm not a fan of kickers. I'm much more a fan of uh, team defenses because like there was a point that I did a little IDP in and I find that strategy fascinating. And I also think like just knowing offensive players and not knowing defensive players is an overall hindering to your general level of skill and expertise. So I'm a fan of knowing the defenses. I think they get a little tough, like how many like opposing, it's it's another thing, but it's a valuable another thing. And the variance isn't as frustrating as the kickers. So you kind of got your start writing about sleepers. That was like your, your, that was like your niche, right? When you were starting out writing about sleepers, are they still your thing? And if so, mm-hmm. where are, uh, you got any any nuggets for us that we might be? Yeah, they are still totally my thing. They're still a thing that gets me excited, frankly. I'm in charge of regular sleepers columns every single week throughout the fantasy season. And I do a segment on Fantasy Football Live. Well, it was called the Down Loza, which is the sleepers article, but I, the yeah. sleeper segment, but I finally got them to change the title uh, of it. Um, the Down Loza, nice. The, the, the Down Loza with some sleepers. And they're usually they're usually like streamers by you know week four, right? It's like a tight end plus sure. somebody else that you can stream once we get into buys and injuries start piling up. But right. I love them. I have an article coming out 
with football diehards in their magazine oh, every cool. year. Bob Harrison, the newly installed Hall of Fame member, Emil Kedelec, they always approach me. So I have one coming up, but I can give you a couple of names. I'm happy to. Not all of these are in that article name, but this one is uh, Ramondre Stevenson in Ooh. New England at running back. I don't know yep. if you draft this guy. I don't think he's a best ball play. You know, we probably limited to a two down role initially. But I think that especially in Dynasty, he's someone you want to take a look at. He's not, for the position, a late round pick by any means. Damian Harris is a jack of all trades, but a master of none, as much as I wish they would use him more in the receiving game. It's just not happening. And actually, the running backs coach in New England comped during OTAs, Stevenson, this rookie, to, uh, he, he's out of Oklahoma. He played there at the same time as Trey Sermon. There was some overlap. He comped him to LeGarrette Blunt. Mm -hmm. We know, obviously, what kind of role Blunt had in Belichick's offense. So I think that, you know, power backs get overlooked a little bit. But in a situation where Michelle, Sony Michelle's fifth-year option gets declined and he's always hurt and he's always inefficient anyway, yep. and Damian Harris doesn't seem to command a whole lot of confidence within the building, Stevenson could be in line of particularly for those goal line plunges. You know Mac Jones is going to get under center at some point. So that's a name. I like Josh Palmer in Ooh. los angeles a lot another rookie but can you imagine he's out of tennessee can you imagine by the way the glee that he felt when he d discovered the upgrade in quarterback he was going <laughs> to receive from college to um the pros hunter henry's exit vacates around 70 ish targets right so there's an opportunity there i'm not really worried about jared cook honestly and I think that Palmer he excels as an outside guy. Mike Williams is, you know, going to get hurt. And so I think that Palmer <laughs> could get, you know, he's going to break somebody's heart, right? That's just kind of always the way it goes, whether it's a back issue. Right. Yeah. And, and nobody's never not had a bad back, right? So that's probably a recurrent issue, as I've learned or speaking to an orthopedic surgeon on the regular. So I think mm -hmm. that Josh Palmer is a rookie who can, you're not going to draft him, but that's a name you should know. And you probably want to keep him on your radar because he will see the field at some point. And Michelle Majuk, speaking of brilliant female analysts, made a point on a pod that I was on with her earlier in the week. And that was that Justin Herbert has dragged way lesser names like Jalen Guyton into yeah. fantasy production. Certainly he can do that with Josh Palmer. Lastly, I want to mention Adam Routman, tight end, New Orleans. I mentioned Jared Cook now on the Chargers, right? He's no longer on the Saints and neither is Josh Hill. It is Troutman. Troutman graded out last year as a rookie. This blows me away as PFF's number one run blocking tight end. Now that's not necessarily what you want out of a tight end, but if you know about Troutman out of Dayton, then you know he is absolutely a prolific hands receiver who has like the the build, the whole thing is beautiful. Sean Payton liked him. I think he could end up third in targets, especially, you know, when you factor in Sanders' um, move yeah, to good. Buffalo as well. So I think that Adam Troutman, and he's like the tight end 20 right now. You know that's not going to yeah. hold, but for yeah, right now, the tight end 20 is You're on the great. field blocking, you're on the field. You know? That's and right. You recently came out with an article previewing the Washington football team. Yeah. Now we've grown accustomed to Fitz magic uh, in his first year on a, on a new team. I mean, I've experienced that as a Jets fan. I've experienced Fitz magic and I've also experienced Fitz tragic. Mm -hmm. uh, which Fitz are we going to get with Washington? He's an, another year older. These guys played pretty much for every team in the league at this point. Taylor Henneke, I'm sorry, is getting some first team training camp reps, uh, 
is there a short lease on Fitz this year? I mean, I know your buddy uh, Barron's is is a big Fitz guy, but that, I mean, he may he yeah. made a lot of money in the wild card round. Yeah. Because, how about that? Well, let's also talk about the fact that rookie quarterbacks usually perform well from a fantasy perspective for two and a half games before defenses have enough tape to shut them down. Mm. I think that that's what happened. The Tampa Bay defense, which is also ended up like messing up his shoulder, right? Like (laughs) they got rid of him pretty quickly off the field. He was no longer a problem. That's what's going to happen when you oppose a defense, a D-line like that one. I think it was an AC joint, but he did enough in that game to give him a two-year, close to $5 million, I think $4.8 million contract. He's there. I don't think that he, and he's going to beat out Kyle Allen, right? So we know that. I don't think that he's a threat to Fitzmagic. I think that Fitzmagic is it. This is not a situation that you can comp to Miami because Heineke does not present nearly the same draft pedigree. I mean, he was finishing his schoolwork up at Old Dominion and got a call, you know? (laughs) Like, this is an unexpected find. And therefore, because it is unexpected, it's like, oh, great. Uh, we we got a win here that we didn't have to focus on, but that doesn't mean that the entire organization is going to now double down and invest and make sure because of the amount invested in him, they need to like have a giant ROI like they would in Miami. So I think Fitz is going to lead the squad. I think also if you look at the surrounding talent, there's no reason that he can't be dragged into significant production. He's the QB 17 on my board. I love how aggressive he is going to be. I love that Uh, Ron Rivera has even, a defensive coach, has even spoken about wanting to push the aggressivity. I am all in on Terry McLaurin. Uh, I love him. I think he could be a top 10 producer this year. Curtis Samuel, obviously no slouch. Antonio Gibson, he's a top 13 play for me. Maybe, I mean, I could see him becoming a top eight running back once injuries start to happen and if nothing's break right. Uh, I think he's a giant talent. So You've got Logan Thomas there as well, right? Like there are plenty of options. And also I think that as a Jets fan, I went back and looked at the numbers. Maybe your view is a little bit skewed because at least over the last four seasons, Fitz has been more magic than fizzle. I won't say tragic. And in fact, he has been a top 10 fantasy contributor at the position in over 50% of his last 30 games in the last four years that required a minimum 25 attempts. He's going to have a couple of bad games. He's going to have a couple of giant interception games, but like don't get those highs without some of those lows. I'm excited for him to sling it. Are you afraid of that division other than the Giants defense? Like, are are you afraid of the Dallas defense twice a year? Are you afraid of the Eagles defense? How green it is, like literally and also metaphorically? That's like (laughs) four gimme right there. The extra game this year, do you think that we get some 2,000-yard running backs and 2,000-yard receivers anytime soon? I don't think it's that's an if. I think it's a when and more interestingly, a potential who. I think if he stays healthy, and that's that's a big if. If you look at sports injury predictor, it's not obviously had some durability issues. Austin Eckler could do it. Think. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just think about him in Joe Lombardi's scheme this year. Think about Joe Lombardi and the packages he ran for Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. He knows a little bit about, I'm not saying that Kamara and Eckler are, you know, the same running backs by any means, but there's some overlap in their skill set. There's some overlap in how they could be used. And last year, again, he was hurt, but he was on pace for a 900. If he played a 17 game season, as we're looking to right now. If he had played 17 games, he averaged 53 rushing yards and 40 receiving yards per game last year without Lombardi, obviously. That would be 900 rushing yards 
on a 17 game season and close to 700. So do I think that he can be that much more? I mean, like that's whether you think it's Austin Eckler or not, those numbers are pretty close to one and one. I think the easier bet is quarterbacks getting 5,000 yards or breaking the passing record. The oh, that's yardage definitely going to happen. Like it's, yeah. I think you're just like a, okay, who's it going to be this year kind of thing. We might wait a couple years to see someone pop the 2,000 yard mark again and in rushing i don't know when it will happen in receiving it's going to happen at some point but, i um, think so again. and the other one i think is going to happen is definitely like most because the amount of speed being injected into the league is astronomical right you've got henry ruggs and jalen waddle and also all these spread offenses so that you can get these space guys available and throwing downfield it's all like becoming just a faster game and and pace is now like a stat that we measure we never would have done that before right so I think the a number of receptions over 40 yards is going to skyrocket. You remember DK last year and what DK Metcalf did and but like also consistently did. So I think that to me that's a stat that's definitely going to start to pop. Uh DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, like all of these Marquez Bal MBS, let's just call him MBS. Sure, sure. He had six I, I can't believe this. He had six catches over 40 yards his longest was 78 so he topped even dj moore and dk metcalf in that category speaking of mvs who's throwing the ball to mvs this year Girl, and I so i mean where do you have rogers and while we're at it watson where do you have these two polarizing quarterbacks ranked right now with redraft season at our doorstep i have aaron Rodgers qb6 and he's going to stay there whether he ends up in Green Bay or goes to Denver. There's a little more clarity now in the situation. If he goes to Denver, he's still going to be a top seven option. I mean, the question is, would you rank him even higher than that? But then you have to put him ahead of these quarterbacks that offer more mobility, right? You have to put him ahead of Kyler Murray. You have to put him ahead of Lamar and statistically math wise. Like, I don't think that that could work out. So Aaron Rodgers is the QB six. I don't think if it matters where he lands. Watson, I don't have ranked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> going to avoid that till some clarity is, is in on the situation? I think we have the clarity we need. I know not, I'm not the only analyst that doesn't have him ranked. I mean, we don't know how things are going to go. I mean, we're already we're basically in July. He's going to have to report at some point. You think he's just going to roll in the week before the season and, and be Aaron Rodgers MVP? He's 38, right? Right. Yeah, he's getting up there. So he's already there. I shouldn't say he's getting up there. And he's yeah. not on the QB12 <laughs> diet, so. No. So the question is whether or not he wants, is he going to sit out the year or is no. he going to play for Green Bay? And if it's not Green Bay, who other than Denver could it be? I don't think at his age he's going to sit out the year. No, because right. if he sits out this year, then his career may be over. Right. At, at least any product productivity. Right. And he's got to give know. back a bunch of money. It, so the Scott Fishbowl is a little over a week away. Are you? Are you taking Aaron? Are you drafting Aaron Rodgers with a, in, a, in a week away draft? If you think that I have reread the new scoring changes, <laughs> you, love Scott Fish, you love Scott Fish's uh, scoring settings. <laughs> if you think I have spent, I even told Scott, I was like, girl, you know, I'm not going to read this until July 2nd. 
Like, I'm not, this is a lot of reading. I got stuff to do. Like, there's already a ton of articles. I'm going to read somebody else's work and be like, thank you very much. I ain't spending time on this. I got more stuff to do. Sorry. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of mock drafts going on and a ton uh, of chats. I will for... do a bunch of those. I like to do those before I read anyone's article because I like to get a feel for the AD, the, the SFB ADP is way different than, right. you know, your cues might allow. So I, I did that. And I think they're fun. Do you know what division you're in? Yeah, I'm in JLo. JLo, nice. Yeah. You said That's that funny. with a little bit of hint of embarrassment. Like, yeah, come on. Are you, are you, are you from the block? Come on. I'm from the Bronx. I got respect for JLo. Yeah. No, I'm not. I, I'm all about being. I, Don't blush I feel like there's crazy. some. Oh, well, I had to feel some. I mean, there's like, she's so hot. And I I don't know how you can talk about JLo and not blush. Like she's so hot. She's leaning into this mess with this Benefer stuff. Like I'm JLo has been the moment since before people were saying the moment. I'm all about it. What spot are you drafting out of? Do you know your think, draft position? Oh, somebody asked me this and I did look at it. I think three. Okay. So you're gonna go QB most likely, right? You think? Let Super me write five. that down. I should go QB at that spot. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of experts are like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely. No, you're not. Shut up. I know what your content schedule is. Nobody, you don't have time for that right now. I don't know. I love the, the mock drafts. I will definitely do a bunch of those. Like after the kids go down, once my husband is, I don't know, playing D&D or some nonsense, I will open a bottle of wine, pop some popcorn and do a bunch of mock drafts by myself. Maybe if I'm watching like Housewives or The Bachelorette at the same time. Oh, wow. Nice. So you were embarrassed about JLo, but no problem saying Housewives or The Bachelorette. Well, I'm normalizing <laughs> television that is geared to not geared towards men. Just normalizing it. Who do you have on all your teams or who you go, who are you going after on all your teams? Who's your man crush? And I, and I said in our loose agenda, yeah. I'm like, does, does a lady have a man? Like the guys talk about, hey, you got a man crush on this, you got a man crush on that. First of all, you don't say man crush if, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going down the right road here, but who's your, well, who you is can your man crush? Say, you can say fantasy crush. You can say talent crush. You can say pet player, you know. <laughs> pet player. I think I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I... Who's your pet player? Terry McLaurin. Terry oh, McLaurin is like, I am bad. very in on the well, Washington football team very yeah. much. Um, but I Terry like McLaurin is I'm not in and on the whole team. I am heavily in on McLaurin. I like McLaurin a lot. He's probably the the one wide receiver that I'm like, yeah, I, I might. I have the inclination to reach for him. I want to root for him. Because that also, like, people need to talk about that. Like, yeah, there's the players in your rankings. But also... I don't really want to root for, you know, DJ Moore, to be honest. Like, I, I think he's a little overvalued. He's not, I think he's cool, whatever. <laughs> but, like, I do want to – there's just some players, for no personal reason, that, like, you – want to get your guy. Yeah, you want to get your guy. And, I, like, Kyler Murray, for me, I did interview Ky Kyler a couple of times. And so it's sometimes a little bit difficult not to, like, things that he said personally or in passing. Like, I, I want Kyler on my squad. I want to root for him. I'm going to root for him anyway. Why not have him – giving me some points. Now, were you, think, were you, when you talked, when you interviewed Kyler, were you, was this an eye to eye conversation? Cause I, I know you are relatively short uh, as well. Right. So were you guys like <laughs> Larry, I hate you right now. That's like the, the get real. I got that info from the get real pod, but that's Casey Kasem's fault. I, I'm a little I'm blaming her. Tyler Trooper, you're upsetting me right now. Oh. I know she's five two, right? You're five two. I am what? five two. Yes. Um, he's, you know, um, uh, yeah, that was a good one. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, 
one more talent crush. I go, let me try to get out of this one. Um, <laughs> our shorts were about as short. I will say that. Uh, he always wears those short shorts. And he does. He does. And I was like, he is showing more leg than me right now. Um, but okay. Since so the Cincinnati, we were talking about zero wide receiver. The Cincinnati wide receivers are all in this like collection of wide receiver threes. They're all catching minimally 80 balls on a 17 game season. Like they're all catching 80 balls. They're all flirting with 100 yard yards. Ooh. Probably Boyd's going to be around 80. Six catches. This is me off the top of my head, right? Like 86 catches, 903 yards, and four touchdowns. That's like my Tyler Boyd. I will go there for Tyler Boyd. Jamar Chase, he's going to be around like 81 catches, 80 catches, like 1,100 ish yards, six TDs. And then T. Higgins, I think he's going to have like around this, like 80, 81, about the same number of catches as Chase. Maybe be like just over a thousand yards, but probably have like seven to eight touchdowns. Ooh. So I I feel like pick your poison. Go assuming you're playing in at least a half point PPR, pick your poison with any three of those. Stack them where you want to stack them if you're into that. The last one that's available Ooh, since they're man. gonna be the cheapest, right? Well, that'll probably be Boyd. So if you're in a full point PPR, maybe that gives him a little bit more of a boost. Uh, obviously, Higgins has the advantage because of his red zone potential. Chase has the after the catch and the ace, you know, the ball tracking ability. So I think he's going to be have the, the highest yardage. That if we're talking about talent crushes, like I'm very excited for any of those Bengals receivers to show up on my squad. Do you, do you think Mixon gets it together this year or what? We've Girl, been waiting. We've been waiting. Okay. Actually did uh, some work on this and looked at the numbers. I don't think that Joe Mixon, the best he's ever finished was running back nine. And I believe that was in 2018. I don't think he does better than that because there are just other players assume again, assuming health at a wild position that I would rank and that are in better positions than him. However, in 2019, Joe Mixon evaded the most tackles. I think 6.4. This is off the top of my head. I think 6.4 per game, the most tackles of any player at the position because he had to. The whole offense was trash because the offensive line was trash, but he evaded. So we know he can do it. We know he's elusive. That is proof. We also know that he is a fairly efficient pass catcher, even if he doesn't get the number of targets that we're hoping for. We know he's capable. We know he's efficient with his hands. In 2020, with Joe Burrow on a limited number because he got hurt, the offensive line certainly not inspiring, his number of evaded tackles went down by two per week. So already with just Joe Burrow, the amount of tackles he has to evade, which includes like how much cutting he has to do on his legs, the uh, elevates the risk of injury, obviously. All of that went down. Meanwhile, his light front carry rate went up by 20 percentage points. That means he saw fewer stacked boxes by a very wide margin. Throw in Jamar Chase, bring back Joe Burrow. He is going to have holes and lanes that he never had. And it's not like Joe Burrow is like Joe Burrow is a quarterback who can scramble, but he's not of the same ilk as those dual threat quarterbacks, you know? So I think that that also means that there's going to be opportunities for Mixon to be checked down to, especially since Gio Bernard isn't on the team anymore. Now there's some talk about Chris Evans. That's a nice Mm -hmm. puff piece. But I think that you're, I do think that Mixon can be a top 10 guy in this revamped offense with the amount of field. It's the same argument we used for Josh Jacobs last year. You got me all psyched for the, I'm going to go make some trades for some Bengals. I think I'm ready, man. It is. It's an exciting squad. The defense is still not going to be good. You know, (laughs) you got me excited about Mixon. 
you know i got rid of my mix and shares because i was just i was just like oh the guy's hurt again and this and that and then but you're right man that those wide receivers are just going to spread everybody out and and burrow likes to sling it all over the place man larry didn't ask me i would have been telling him to buy mixon so that's what i've been doing this offseason sorry just should i wrap things up with my big news larry you haven't told the the people your big news i got i got the green light yes Let's hear it. There will be a baby monkey on the way. So um, we're going to get through the season before he has to like quit everything and go into like a yeah. cave with his child. I have a five and a half year old. She'll be six on August 3rd. And there is a new baby coming on the way. January 8th, allegedly. Oh, congratulations. That <laughs> Thank is you. incredible, and- incredible news. And I'm breaking this news on the pod. Our close family knows, but I haven't told any friends or anything. So we'll see who listens. You know, we'll see who gets who. We'll see who sends me a text, a congratulatory text message. But I don't think any of these, any of my friends are going to do that because I don't think. <laughs> <any of them. laughs> so you finally told the grandparents because you know they're big listeners. Yeah, don't, right? don't have your wife unplugging us forever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's my big news. I'm excited. Anything else for, for the great Liz Loza, Justin? L- Liz is like, I'm just going to start talking. Wait, I did have a question the other day. It's about her takes. Yeah, it was about uh, when when it's in season and you're rooting for your fantasy teams. What's more important to you, your teams or your takes? My takes, a hundred percent. I don't really. This is like, yeah, takes over one's, teams at all. one's the business, right? That's well, but it's not just like the business; it's the content. It's the like yeah. I have people trusting me. Like I've never actually knock on wood in all the years of doing this. I write five in an article. I've never had at least two. I've never had fewer than two hit. That's Sometimes cool. more but I've never had fewer than two hit. So I've never, gosh, knock on wood. But like, yes, I'm only rooting for my take. Scott knows this. My Scott Fishbowl team falls apart. I stopped trying because I'm too busy working. I'm too busy delivering the takes. I love daily fantasy. That becomes a new thing. But my teams themselves, also um, our content schedule, we do these wild projections called Fearless Forecasts. And I have to write those. I'm working all day Sunday. I have to write those all day Friday. I am often by about week five, too exhausted to look at the waiver wire and i'll be like oh god it's t- tuesday i don't know today is tuesday i know today as whatever content is due that day day like tuesday's mad bets day not wavered shit i missed it um and that happens enough times and then you don't even bother rooting for your team anymore it's so difficult. Larry and I are in a few more than seven leagues and i set my lineups in one of two places i set my lineups in the bathroom or in my car. That's the only place where I will not be disturbed and I can sit there and concentrate. This is like Sunday morning. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, because I'm in like a dozen leagues and I have to sit there and I'm just, I'm basically just like reviewing and making sure everything's kind of, everything jives. I don't got any injured guys going and that, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I got to find yeah. my, my safe space. And those are the only two spots. Well, enjoy this find. season because once you got two of those kids running around, you're. <laughs> It's exciting. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Liz. And we can find you at Liz Loza underscore FF on Twitter. Uh, you are the Yahoo fantasy football analyst. And everybody check out Rest versus Rust series coming out. That oh. came out last week. Saquon just went live. And I see that the Yahoo fantasy Twitter handle had just released it and tweeted it out. So check that out. Awesome. Yes. And if you want to know more about Liz, I'm telling you that Casey Kasem, um, the get real pod, uh, her appearance on there was, was great. Just a lot of just great information about one of the best in the business. And, and we really appreciate you, uh, you joining us today and fitting us in your busy schedule right before shit is about to get real. You ready? Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. One, two, three, four. 
Dynasty Football, baby.